Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Let's jump into what God's wanting to do today in the Word. Uh, I want to talk to us about faith today. You know, last week we had a great service with Dr. Randy Clark, and what a privilege it is for him to be here. I, I don't know if our church fully appreciates the fact that when he comes here, I don't know if it's because he's from Southern Illinois or because he's been here several times, you know, a lot of times like Saturday night, we had a, we had a huge crowd here, but a lot of people were from other places, other churches, and, and Sunday we had another large crowd, but a lot of people were, weren't here from, from our own church, and I'm like, man, you guys need to understand, this is a big deal. There's somebody who travels all around the world, part of the Look up, Google the Toronto Blessing, one of the greatest moves of God in history, and God moved through Randy Clark to do that, and uh, again, he takes no credit for it. I'm not trying to blow him up. He's not even here, but uh, it's just a privilege for us to have him, and one thing about him that I love, I mentioned this, and I feel it's important for for me to share again. Uh, At the end of the first service, he gave a word of knowledge for someone with like uh, pain in the right shoulder blade, and so few people came up and got prayer. And this one guy, he's sitting in the front row. He's from Indiana. I can't remember where in Indiana. Covington. Covington. Thank you, Ted. Covington, Indiana. And he come all the way because he heard Randy was going to be here. And Randy prayed for him. And the guy's shoulder just completely healed. No pain. I mean, you know it's genuine when he's just crying tears falling on the ground. Uh, you know that something's going on. It's legit. And so he, he received healing. And so after praying for people, I asked Randy, he said, hey, do you need to go to the restroom like before the second service starts? He said, yeah, probably better. So we're walking right out those doors, and he's walking beside me, and he grabs me by the arm with both hands, and he says, Chad, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. And I'm like, what are we excited about? <laughs> he's like, God just healed that man. And God just arrested my attention. I was so humbled, I can't stop thinking about it, that here's a man who travels all around the world and sees thousands and thousands and thousands of healings, was a part of one of the greatest moves of God that's actually in history, the Toronto Blessing, and he is excited because one person in Norris City got healed of a shoulder pain. We We don't grasp it. We don't. So the warning from God is don't take the presence of God for granted. Don't become familiar with it. Oh, well, it's just a shoulder. Some guy from Indiana. What about so-and-so over here? They've been wanting to be healed. We can either be critical of the things that didn't happen or celebrate the things that did. And this is the choice that Randy's made. And it was, again, so humbling. Here he is, such a seasoned veteran in the faith. And we walk in for the second service, and he looks over me again. He said, Chad, I'm excited about what God's going to do in the second service. Do you see that guy get healed? He was excited because he saw the presence of God do something that no man could do. And I pray that we'll stay that hungry and that humble here to see that in our life. Uh, Let's talk about faith. Now that I mentioned it, here's one of the things that I felt like has been on my heart uh, as I've been praying into what God's doing in the end times and what he's wanting to do in the church and what I feel like he's speaking to me, what he wants me to do in leading. And one of the things that I felt like he's been uh, stirring in my heart is this topic of faith. How faith has started to be pushed out of the church 
and it's become a lot of self-help talks that we begin to create sermons around uh, things that will be so applicable, like we tried to be so relevant that we forgot that it's not about us. Like the gospel of Jesus Christ is not about us. It's about Jesus. Well, I kind of wanted to hear something to help me get through my day at work. Well, here's what should help us get through our day at work. Jesus left heaven, died on a cross for our sins, rose from the dead on the third day, ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand praying for you every single day. That's the gospel. But we'd rather get more excited about something that's going to help us raise our income level a little bit. But God's wanting to stir, it will too, yeah. But God's wanting to stir faith back into our life. And I just want to present the gospel of faith this morning in a way that pray that stirs our, our soul and our spirits. Listen, we love the Bible here at the Rose Church, so come on, let's get them out. Uh, excuse your neighbor for a little bit, they're getting ready to lose their marbles as they open their Bible to Romans chapter 5. Woo! Romans chapter 5. By the way, Mount Carmel, Carlinville, we love our family up there. Romans chapter 5, and we'll start reading in verse 1. A little late to the game, but any cheering still good. <laughs> Romans chapter 5. It says, everybody with me? It says, therefore, having been justified by what? By, by faith, we have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, one verse. We could do a whole series. We'll see. We may do that. Verse 2. Through whom also, that being Jesus, we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Oh, Jesus. And not only that. That's not enough. But we also glory in tribulations. We fell off a little bit on that one. (laughs) Come on, let's stay up. Stay up. We glory in tribulations. Doesn't say we glory for tribulations. That word glory means to literally boast or brag about. We'll come to that later. You got a little cross-eyed on me on that one. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. We just talked about you have need of endurance. That word perseverance, same Greek word, means endurance. Tribulation produces perseverance. We won't get to that today, but we will. And perseverance produces character. Character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by Holy Spirit who was given to us. Now, let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, I pray that it come alive in our hearts. Take blinders off of us, God, that we'll see things that we've never seen before. Stir up faith in our midst, God. I pray that our spirits will be stirred with faith today by your word. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for revealing truth to us and that truth making us free. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. Amen. All right, let's go back to verse 1. Verse 1, Paul's writing to the Roman church. And he says, therefore, having been justified by faith. I want to stop right there. Justified by faith. The word justified is a Greek word that means to be made innocent, to be ruled innocent, to be uh, completely 
determined as not guilty. Could be the word, you could use the word righteous in this word. You could use uh, removed from guilt. You can move acquitted, vindicated. But the key part is it's not just someone saying, hey, I'm innocent. I didn't do it. It's not that. This word speaks of someone in authority ruling your innocent. It's one thing for me to go to court and me say on my way going in, hey, I'm innocent. I didn't do it. People are like, yeah, whatever. Everybody says that. But it's another thing for a jury or a judge to rule in my favor and say, Chad's not guilty. Once I've been ruled not guilty in a court of law, I cannot be tried again for that crime. So what the Bible is telling us here, that we have been made innocent, been justified, been made cleansed of all of our sins, been made in right standing, vindicated by God, by one thing, and it's by, what's that next word? Faith. By faith. Here's what he's saying, justified by faith. So now, you're saying, wait a minute, what about grace? Grace is God doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Grace, so faith does not initiate my salvation. Faith does not make God do something for me. Faith did not make Jesus go to the cross. Grace did. I can't believe my way into making God do something. Grace is God saying, I want to do this for you. Grace is is God saying, you didn't love me first. You didn't choose me first. I love you and I choose you. That's my grace. Faith says, I want what you're offering to come to me. Make the difference. See the difference? Faith doesn't twist God's arm to make him do what I want him to do. Faith doesn't do that. Grace says, I want to do this for you, for all of you, for whosoever. Faith says, I'll take some of that for me. Another, another analogy. Go to the grocery store. You have money. Your money did not put the groceries in the store. But your money will determine whether you walk out with it or not. Grace put the food there. It's available for you. It paid for it so that you could have access to it, so that you can walk in with your cart that you're going to put away in the rack after you're done and not leave in the parking lot. I had to get that in there. But you, grace made it available, but faith is the currency of heaven that says, I want what's on aisle three at the top of the shelf in my cart, and I'm going to pay for it because I believe that what you provided is for me. Do you see the difference in grace and faith? So we're justified by faith doesn't mean that salvation was provided by faith. It is applied by faith. So I become justified 
not because of my works, not because of my desire, not because I do good deeds, not because I paid good money to the church. I get justified because I believe that what Jesus did on that cross applies to my sin. So I take my sin, I bring it to the cross, and I believe that he paid the price for me. So justification comes to me through faith by his grace. Does that make sense? So when he says we're justified by faith, is faith important? Only if we want it applied to us. We can't see we're justified. What does faith mean? Here's what faith means. Um, one biblical ver- uh, definition of it in the Greek means to trust or believe, to be persuaded, convinced, or certain so that your actions correspond with what you believe. So we are rendered innocent, removed from guilt by the means of faith. We, our verdict is, is rendered uh, not guilty by faith in what Jesus provided. It is not just belief in that he exists. Well, I believe in God, so therefore I'm going to heaven. No, that's not faith. Faith is not believing that he exists. The Bible says in James chapter 2, demons believe. And they tremble. So when people say, hey, I I believe in God, I'm good. No, no, no. Faith is I not only believe that he exists, but I put my whole life in his trust. I commit my heart to him. And now my behavior and my actions line up with what I say I believe that Jesus is Lord. That I'm not the king anymore. Jesus is the king. And this is what faith looks like from a biblical standpoint. And we need to realize that the gospel of Jesus Christ is based on faith. Faith. But what's happened, here's here's the danger that I feel like has happened in the body of Christ. Theology has been presented some at times where we gravitated towards doctrinal teaching that God is completely in control of everything And if he wants it to happen, it'll happen. And if he doesn't want it to happen, it won't happen. Faith is not a factor. It's just whatever he wills. That's what's been taught. And we've taught that because we, I don't know why we taught that. Um, There's a number of reasons. I don't want to get into all those reasons. Shoot that. Randy taught me that last week. I saw that. But here's the thing. We gravitate towards that. Why? Because it takes all the pressure off of us, and now it's totally up to God, and I have no responsibilities whatsoever. Hey, if God wants it to happen, it'll happen. If he wants me saved, then he's going to zap me and get me saved. No, you're justified by faith. So faith is a factor, and this is what God's wanting us to get, that we need to bring faith back into our walk with Jesus. For the, this is what I felt like God was speaking. For the end time church, and I believe we're knocking on the door of being the end time church. The end time church is going to have to re-engage faith in their walk with Jesus. Like, well, I just kind of, I just like coming to church and being a good person and whatever happens, happens. No, we're going to have to engage faith. We have to engage belief. Let's go back. So in verse 1. It says, therefore, having been justified by faith. When you see the word therefore, usually contextually it's referring to a previous thought. 
So let's jump back to verse, I'm going to go all the way back to verse 13, because this is the story of Abraham. Abraham in the Old Testament, you know who Abraham was? He was Abram, married Sarai, and then God shows up and he tells Abram, and he tells him at around 75 years old, he tells him, Abram, you're going to have a son. And you're going to have descendants as much as the stars of the sky and the sand on the shore. And his wife, Sarah, was around nine years, I believe it is, around there, younger, younger than him. So she's already getting up there. And uh, so he says, you're going to have a son. So context for that. And he says, I want you to believe this promise, uh, and I'm going to change your name from Abram to Abraham. Abraham means father of many nations. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to start walking around. I want you to start telling everybody, uh, excuse me, my name's Abraham. Right, father of many nations. That's good. How many kids you got there, Abram? If we wait for everyone to agree with what God's telling us, we could be waiting a long time. If you're waiting for everybody to affirm the word of God over your life, we need to get over that. We need to hear from God. Once we've heard from God, do not confer with flesh and blood about the validity of that word from God. But you have to have faith to do that. You have to take on a little bit of embarrassment when you go around and say, hey, what's up, Abram? <clears throat> oh, excuse me, it's Abraham now. Yeah, right. That's a good one. He had to say it. He didn't have to convince everybody else. Come on, I'm going to help somebody right here. He didn't, his job was not to convince everybody else. His job was to convince himself. We're waiting too many times for other people to validate what God's asked us to believe for ourselves. Will you please agree with me on what God says for my life? What if they don't? Then now we just throw it away? No, we get convinced ourselves with what God says. Abraham, that's what I was saying. Verse 13. For the, promise, for the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of what? Of, of faith. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect. Because the law brings about wrath. The law talking about the Ten Commandments and the, the law of Moses for where there is no law, there is no transgression. Verse 16, therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace. Here's the connection again, grace and faith. The righteousness of faith for the promise to come to Abraham. So that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham. So now what is he saying there in a nutshell? He's saying not just to those who are of the law of Israeli descent. But now he's saying that the same promise that is according to grace and of faith might be sure to all the seed, not just those who are from the lineage of Abraham by birthright, but also those who are of the faith of Abraham. So now I wasn't born in the lineage of Abraham but I am born in the seed of Abraham through faith. Galatians. So let's go on. Uh, who's the father of us all? Verse 17, as it is written, I have made you father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed God. Who did Abraham believe? He believed God. God who gives life to the dead 
and Abraham needed life to come to his dead body and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. What does God do about things that don't exist? He calls them as though they are, as though they do. So this is how God rolls. When it was dark and there was a void on the face of the earth, what did God say? He didn't say, I'll be jiggered. It's dark, dark out here. He didn't say that. He said, let, let there be <coughs> let there be light. So he calls those things that do not exist as though they are. So we're made in his image and his likeness. So what is he telling us to do? He's telling us to call those things that be not as though they are. He's telling us to walk by faith. Well, I've heard this before. The problem is we've heard it and we've not embraced it and we've run away from it. Why? Because we tried it and it didn't work and so we get discouraged and we throw the baby out with the bathwater. So he calls those things that be not as though they did. Who contrary, verse 18, who contrary to hope, talking about Abraham again, contrary to hope, in hope believed so that he became the father of many nations according to what was Hold on. By the time he actually becomes a father, he's almost 100 years old. I don't know what you're believing God for. I don't know the impossibility of what you're believing God for. But I'm going to say, and I'm not trying to rank things in their difficulty. Once something is impossible, it goes in its own category of it's all impossible. But being a new daddy at 100 years old, to a wife who's over 90. That doesn't happen every day. I'm not sure that happens any other day other than this day. So here's the issue that he was facing. Contrary to hope. So his hope in his natural way of seeing the word of God come to pass, there was no hope there. I don't know which situation you're in. But if you're like me, you've got situations that in the natural, there may be no way for that to come about. There's no way for me to put hope in that in the natural. So the Bible says, contrary to hope, in hope, he did what? He, he believed. So he chose to believe even in a place where there was no natural hope. I'm 100 years old. She's 90. We could say there's no way we're having a kid. Not being, and he says, but the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. Let me read that again. For who contrary to hope, in hope believe, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was, <clears throat> let me try it again. He became the father of many nations, which is Abraham means father of many nations. He became Abraham according to what was spoken. So according to what was spoken. He became according to what God said, not according to what he felt. Notice what it says. He became according to what was spoken. And then it says, in quotes, so shall your descendants be. Who said, so shall your descendants be? God. So he became according to what God said. Oh, this is important. Faith has to connect 
with something God said for us to become it. He did not become according to what he desired. He did not become according to what he wanted. He did not become according to what he hoped. He became according to what was spoken. So we need to know what God said, and then we become according to that and not according to how we feel. That what God says has to become our reality, not what we feel. What God is speaking over my situation, what the word, and this is why we need to go right here. According to what God says, this is what we need to become by. Faith in what I want is not how it works. This is what we come up in church and we try to come up with, well, you know what, if I pray hard enough, it's not about how hard we pray. It's about what we believe. And it's about what he said. God is not obligated to perform anything other than what he promised. So you and I need to become according to what's spoken, not according to what we feel. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he's about 100 years old. That word consider, you know what that means? That means to give all of your attention to, to focus on, to, to make it the priority of your mind. He did not consider his own body because it's 100 years old, nor did he consider the deadness of Sarah's womb. I know it's a reality, or, or I know it's something that we're facing, that I'm 100 years old, she's 90, her womb's dead. I know I, I, I can't consider that. I have to focus on the promise of God. He was not weak in faith because he didn't consider. Here's what I felt like God was speaking to me out of that. Chad, when your faith get weak, gets weak, is because you're considering yourself too much. You're spending too much, too much time considering you instead of spending your time considering me. You're focusing your attention, you're focusing all your energy, all your worries, all your thoughts on what you can or cannot do, and you're not redirecting all of that energy on what I can do. So the question he asked me, and a question I'm going to throw into you, is who are you considering more? Are we considering the deadness of our abilities? Are we considering the deadness of what I can do or are we considering the abilities of what he can do? Verse 20, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, being fully convinced that what he had promised he was able to perform. Now, now remember, whose story is this about? This is about Abraham, right? Do you, do you remember the story of Abraham? Do you know the story of Abraham? This is the New Testament rewrite of the Old Testament story of Abraham. And if you know the story of Abraham, when it says he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, I'm like, are we talking about the same Abraham? Because the Abraham I know was talking to his wife and Sarah says, hey, there is no way I'm going to be able to give you a child. Take my servant Hagar. Have a child through her. It's close enough. So Abraham, who doesn't waver at the promise of God, said, absolutely not, woman. We are going to believe God together. The promise was to us. Is that what he said? 
No. Unwavering Abe says, if you say so, honey. What happened? During the process, Abraham wavered. One point in the process, Abraham lied about Sarah even being his wife. It's, she's my sister. She looks so fine. Read it in your Bible. That's what it says. And this was at 70 plus. She still looks so fine. He was afraid the king would want to kill him and take his wife. So he said, she's my sister. So did he ever waver? To me, I'm thinking he wavered all over the place. But here's what I felt like God speaking to me about that. When God writes our story, when God tells our story, because what happened, Abraham, even though they had Ishmael, and even though that's caused problems, especially right now in the Middle East, and he still stayed the course. That word waver there, when it says he did not waver, that's the same word we used when it says ask in faith with no doubting. And that means literally to give up, to back off, or disengage. He may have had moments where he didn't make the best of decisions, but Abraham stayed engaged with the promise of God all the way to the end. So when God tells the story, you, you know this, Isaac was born to Sarah, and uh, he was 100 years old, and she was 90 plus, and they had Isaac, and then, and then Abraham goes on to have kids as, as many as the stars of the, of the sky. When God's telling this story in the end, he's saying, listen, if you held on to the end, in my eyes, you never wavered. Everybody else's eyes, you may have been waving all over the place and, and just and here and there. And I'm telling you, in the process of your walk with God, you're going to have some wavering days. But I'm just saying stay the course. Because in the end, when God tells your story and you arrive and you make it, he'll say, my son or my daughter, you never wavered. You're like, whoo, thank you for the blood. Thank you for the blood, because you'll know, and others will know, that you had all kinds of doubting moments. But faith is not always knocking it out of the park. Faith is staying engaged with the promise of God. He says, through unbelief, he would waver, but he was strengthened in faith. Man, here's what I felt like God's encouraging us with. Woo. When we're walking this out, look what it says in verse 21. And being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. What was Abraham fully convinced about? That what God had promised, he could... Make sure you get it. He was fully convinced. He was certain that what God had promised, he would... He would perform. He would do it. Two Ps. Say it again. He was fully convinced that what God had promised, he was able to perform. Let's get the order right. I'm, I'm spending some time for this for on purpose. He was convinced that what God promised, he was able to If I will be fully convinced of the promises of God, 
He will perform those. But here's what we do too many times. We spend so much time focusing on what we want him to perform, we don't spend enough time even thinking about whether he promised it or not. So we're focusing on perform, Jesus, perform based on a need. Shit, Here's what we do. We present a need to him. We come, this is what we've been taught, church, Andy, Lord, I pray that you just break this out of our life. We come, we bring a need to him, and we say if we need it bad enough, he'll do it. That's not in the Bible. That's not the gospel. That's churchianity. Hey, if you need it bad enough, brother or sister, he'll, he'll do it for you. He knows your need before you even ask. I know he knows my need before he asks, but how does it come to me? By, by faith. So he's saying if I will understand this principle, then I know that, hey, I'm not supposed to bring my need to him. I'm not supposed to bring my need and expect him to perform based on my need. I'm supposed to bring his promise to him. Because your Bible tells you that God watches over his word to, to perform it. He's not watching over my need to perform it. He's not watching over something that I ask him to perform. Jesus, will you please do this? Please, 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 please. I've been praying for three days. What's the promise of God? I don't know. I just need him to do something. Here's our problem. We cannot have faith in our need. We have to have faith in his promises. If the currency of heaven is faith, I cannot try and bring my need to the table and ask God to accompany or, or accommodate my need. He's going to accommodate his promise and he will perform based on that. You're like, I've tried that, I've done that, and it didn't work. I know, me too. But it's still the formula. I'm not going to throw it away. I'm just going to keep coming. I'm going to keep learning. I'm going to keep growing. I'm going to keep saying, okay, Lord, man, I thought I was standing on your promises. I thought I brought that to you, and man, it didn't work out, but I've just got to, I've got to keep coming. I've got to keep trusting him because here's what God's going to do. He's doing a work in me right now, and he's asking me to reshape my thinking. Here's, here's one of the things that he, he asked me to write down. I wrote this down in my journal, and now I've made it a daily prayer. He said, Chad, I want you to repent and renounce every real feelings. He had me put that in quotes. Real feelings. I'm not talking about fake feelings. I'm like, I really feel this stuff. I want you to repent and renounce of every real feeling that does not accurately depict your God-given reality. We'll say it again. I want you to repent, change the way you think, and renounce verbally, speak against Every real feeling you have that does not accurately depict your God-given reality. Feelings are not the problem. Feelings that do not accurately depict your God-given reality are the problem. What are we talking about? Let me give you an example. A friend of mine's here. I saw him a while ago. This week, God taught me a valuable lesson with this. He's been trying to teach me, and I'm a slow learner, so pray for me. We started a, a Rhodes group, Connect group, Rhodes group, uh, that meets every, every morning from 5 to 6.30 a.m. For some of you who don't know that there is an a.m. of that time slot, there is one, 5 to 6.30. And we meet every morning. We do a little workout, and then we have a devotional. And uh, 
so this, we got some great guys, guys in our group, and this one guy's fairly new, just in the last year plus, year plus, come to our group, and uh, he didn't come Monday or Tuesday, and he hadn't missed, he was regular, so I was like, man, I wonder where he's at, you know, I didn't hear anything from him, you know what the devil started telling me? I almost, I just started having these thoughts, we'll just say that. I started having these thoughts that, man, I wonder what's wrong. Is he mad? What's he mad about? Is he upset? Oh, Randy Clark was here this weekend. Mm-hmm. That probably turned him off. He's probably, he's probably not coming back. He's probably not going to come to church anymore. He doesn't even like you. Can I be just vulnerable? I'm just throwing out my thoughts. You guys may not have this issue, but pray for me. So I'm having these thoughts. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm role-playing all the things that went on. Did that make you mad? I wonder what that was. Was that too much? Was it the lady that fell down? Yeah, it was probably her. It was, what, what, what was it? I'm, I'm going through all these scenarios. I'm like, man, what, what do I need to do? And so I'm, I'm creating this reality based on thoughts. I had these feelings that were real. They were real. They were legit feelings. So I texted him and I said, hey, just checking in on you, seeing how you're doing, missed you. He texted back and he said, yeah, sorry about that, been up doing homework and haven't been feeling good the last couple days, but things are better, I'll be there tomorrow morning. The moment I read the truth, all those feelings were gone. Immediately, the truth dispelled all those feelings and I was like, there's nothing wrong. Of course there's nothing wrong. The confidence that I felt once I knew the truth. So God is saying, listen, Chad, I want you to repent and renounce of real feelings that do not accurately reflect or depict your God-given reality. We create these realities that are not God-given. And around these scenarios and these thoughts that the enemy's put in our mind. And God was saying, we've got to have faith in what God said. And I feel like he was wanting to help people here today, whether you're in Mount Carmel or Carlinville or watching online or right here in North City, that maybe you're like me, that you've got some real feelings. Your real feelings could be involved with uh, all kinds of things. Could be emotional trauma, could be depression, could be discouragement. See, it doesn't mean that Abraham didn't have any of those feelings. It just said he became according to what was spoken, not according to what he felt. So I can have discouraging feelings and just not become discouraged. Because God can arrest that lie with the truth that he is my encourager, he is my strength, he is my support. So now I become according to what is spoken, not according to what I feel. Well, Chad, I just feel like nobody loves me. I just feel abandoned. I feel rejected. I get it. Legit feelings. Nobody's putting that down. But God has a reality for you, a reality for me that supersedes those feelings. And he says, if you'll bring those feelings to me, I will tell you the truth. And once you know the truth, all those feelings got to go. But... As he's, re, as he's working with me on these feelings. Because one of the things he asked me to be is, and I got this from a message, he's, he said, Chad, I just want you to be authentic. Just be authentic. Just be you. Just who I've created you to be. Stop worrying about whether other people like it or accept it. Just be authentic. So I looked up authentic, and authentic 
means to be true to one's own spirit, personality, and character. So I said, okay, Lord, I just want to be true to what you've created me to be. He said, all right, well, then now we've got to deal with these real feelings that you have, and i got to get you from real feelings to your God-given reality. And I'm like, okay, how do I get from there to there? He said, that's great. It's one answer. It's called faith. Well, I don't feel like I'm there yet. I didn't ask you to feel your way there. I asked you to believe your way there. Well, I, I, know, I just waited. I'm waiting to feel better. And then I'll be there, God. He said, you're going to be waiting a long time. I'm asking you to believe what I said and become according to what is spoken and don't become according to what you feel. So all these real feelings you have, repent of them, renounce them, and believe your way into your God-given reality. That's what God is telling us. So I believe he's wanting to do that not only in me, but I believe maybe he's wanting to do it in some others. So if you would, would you stand to your feet with me this morning? I want to give him a chance to minister that to you. If you just hold your places. There are Mount Carmel and Carlinville. Can you just listen to Holy Spirit for a moment? Holy Spirit, I ask you just to come. Lord, I pray that this word will come alive in our hearts. That it will not just be theory. It will not just be a good talk. But God, I pray it will be a fire of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. That we are justified by faith. So Lord, just as Abraham was fully convinced that what you promised you're able to perform, we yield our faith to you, Lord, that no matter what real feelings we have right now, real feelings about our marriage, real feelings about our health, real feelings about our job, real feelings about our kids, real feelings about our parents, real feelings about our school, real feelings about, it doesn't matter, whatever it may be, do those real feelings accurately depict your God-given reality? What do you believe about yourself? What do you believe is true about yourself? Is it what you feel? Or is it what you believe? Is it what God spoke? Is it what God has said over your life? Or is it what you felt? emotionally. Maybe others have spoken over your life, but I feel the Holy Spirit on this one. Others have spoken over your life and you have become according to what was spoken by someone else. In the name of Jesus, I break that lie off of your life that you will not become according to what was spoken by anyone other than Jesus. What they've told you you would do or not do or what you would become or what you wouldn't be able to become, that lie is broken by the power of Holy Spirit. That you will become according to what was spoken by Jesus. Real feelings right now being brought into subjection to the obedience of Christ. And here's, I feel like the Lord's wanting to say this to us. 2 Corinthians, that we are to cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God 
and bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ Jesus. So if you're like me and you're dealing with some real feelings that are not matching up with your God-given reality and you want to break away from that, I want you to step out of your seat and just come to the front. You can come to the front right there in Mount Carmel. You can come to the front, the altar area. You can come to the front there in Carlinville. Come on. Come here in North City if that's you, that you're like, I got some real feelings that I need to deal with. And I, I want to match them up with my God-given reality. If that's you, just step out. Come on, I want to pray with you. Pray with you. I know this is not, I'm not the, only, not the only one that's dealing with this. We're going to break the lie of the devil off of our life. Just come on up. Just come on up here at the altar. Wherever you're at. Wherever you're at. Come on up, Mount Carmel. Come on. Come to Jesus. I'm not going to do this for you. Jesus is going to do it for you. Jesus is the one who's going to do it. I want you to lay every lie at the altar, everything that you don't feel that God spoke over you. Maybe it's a past issue. Maybe it's something you've done in your past, an action you've done, something that's uh, a family trait that's been spoken over you and over your family. This is the way you'll always be. Your family's always like this. They'll always be this way. Your, uh, your dad was like this. Your mom was like this. It doesn't matter. Whatever it may be, According to what was spoken, we're not going to become according to what the devil says or what anybody else says. We're going to become according to what Jesus says. So come on. It doesn't have to be something sinful. It could be just something. I just, I just struggle with fear of what other people think about me. I, I just struggle with insecurity. And we all deal with these issues. Don't be intimidated. Be free. Don't hold on to it. Don't protect it. Don't coddle it. Grab freedom by faith. How am I going to get there? How am I going to get from what I really feel to what God says? We're going to get there by faith. We're just going to believe. We're going to believe what God says above everything else. Come on, if anybody else, make your way to the front. Come on, Mount Carmel, Carlinville. Let's engage the Holy Spirit. Let's engage the Word of God. I believe God wants to set us free. I believe God's wanting to retrain our mind to engage faith that I just choose to believe. We're getting back into faith. We're re-engaging a life of faith. I don't have to feel it. I don't have to see it. I don't have to hear it. I just have to believe what God says is my reality. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.